Hey, I'm Ray Hudson, and you are, I don't know who you are, but you're listening to Blaugranagram. Don't be like them kids in the Blair Witch Project, and go away, right? Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of the Driven Shot Podcast here on Blaugranagram TV and the Blaugranagram social media channels. I'm Omar Hawass, and with me I've got uh, Joab. How are you doing, Joab? Um, good, Omar. Good, Omar. Could have done better with the weekend, but um, yeah. good nevertheless. Yeah, we will, of course, be talking about that game um, during this podcast, which, as you might know, airs every Monday at 4 p.m. Uh, of course, with some exceptions that we will uh, have down the line, presumably, we will, of course, keep you updated about those. But um, for the time being, it is every Monday at 4 p.m. Central European time, and it is on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. So. Or Facebook, sorry, not Instagram. Um, well, if they do make a, an Instagram live uh, that you can do like this, we'll obviously do it. But until then, it's just through Facebook. Now, of course, before we start, do keep in mind that you can give us uh, and send us your questions and thoughts down below. Uh, I know that some of you want to blow off some steam, so you can do that in the comments below. Of course, keep it civil. <laughs> I think it's very necessary to, 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 to emphasize that. But we will be, of course, uh, talking through some of the points uh, from the last game for Barcelona, which of course was the uh, Clasico, and it was a 2-1 loss at the Stadi uh, Alfredo Di Stefano. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot was said about that game before the game, and I know a lot of fans were disappointed with the results from a Barcelona perspective. Um, the way I see it, I don't think it was, I mean, looking at it again now, you know, after, you know, two days have passed by and you kind of have had time to like let, you know, sit and just like think about it. I think Barcelona got unlucky more than anything um, because I really don't think, I mean, some of the games that Barcelona have had in the past, some of the big games um, you've seen where at least let's say just a year ago, for instance, where it seemed like they weren't up to the level they wanted to be at and they couldn't get into the game the way they wanted to. Um, this time, though, I don't think that was the case. I think Ronald Koeman did some a lot of things right, and I think the players had the right mentality going into the game. And you know, barring those, barring the first goal, which wasn't lucky, it was good, quick play. Barcelona got caught off guard. Um, the second goal was, of course, the Tony Cruz direct free kick, which maybe direct is an overstatement. I mean, <laughs> it hit off Sergio Test and then off Jordi Alba and then into the back of the net. Um, but looking at the game again and looking at how Barcelona were playing, I don't think that, you know, I, I, I definitely do believe that that was an unlucky loss more than anything, because I think a lot of things were done right. And I think a lot of positives can be taken from that match. What do you think? Uh, um, yeah, uh, I was talking with my, um, with my brother and my, and my dad, um, my brother is a diehard Real Madrid fan. And I was telling him like, um, this team remembered, well, the Real Madrid team remembered me of the one of Carlo Ancelotti. Um, mm. They had two, three chances they scored, and then they were just fine just waiting off the rest of the match. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first goal is obviously like a sublime touch by a back heel by Karim Benzema. Mm -hmm. um, neither Ronaldo Araujo or, uh, or Ter Stegen was, uh, well, I could actually do something because I, I think he was like, two meters off, like from Ter Stegen, and Ronald Araujo was just trying to react as quickly as possible. So neither of them could have done really anything to change that. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, the the free kick, I mean, 
I think it was going somewhere near Ter Stegen, but then uh, yeah. Serginho this just crossed. I don't know uh, why he was positioned there because he was neither part of the wall and he was like taking away, I think, visibility from Ter Stegen. But well, at the end of the day, he just had a touch on it and he deflected it and went in. Um, but after that, I mean, um, once again, I think we saw resilience um, from Barcelona yeah. because even though they scored like two goals in 10 minutes or something like that, Real Madrid, um, Barcelona went straight off to to attack. They didn't just like put their heads down and wait for the halftime. I know. I mean, they went straight for uh, for the attack against uh, Real Madrid. One thing that I do want to mention that I mean, tactically speaking, I do think Sidan uh, won over Koeman at least at the beginning, uh, bringing on Federico Valverde and putting him in a position where he could really. Um, make life impossible for Jordi Alba because Jordi Alba in the yeah. first half he didn't really do anything because he was so preoccupied with uh, Federico Valverde's physicality and his like his display of stamina that seemingly d does not uh, does not end because I mean he had like these uh, 40 meters 50 meters like dashes where he went from box to box literally and I mean that's uh, why the first goal even happened because he took the ball and he ran with it. Yeah, and and Jordi Alba couldn't really do anything because he was always trying to catch up. But um, yeah, I mean, um, at least at that point, I do think uh, that Federico Valverde was a key part for Real Madrid until he was taken off. He definitely was. I think also one thing I found quite interesting was that um, as we were talking about on, um, and I, I imagine you guys were, were were talking about it too, is that the idea, at least looking at it on paper, you'd imagine that the battle would be in midfield. And I yeah. was talking about this uh, when we were commenting on um, FC Barcelona's official Twitch channel, that it seemed like looking at the midfield that Zidane had put forth and looking at the midfield that uh, Ronald Koeman had put forth, that it th they genuinely just were imagining that it would be midfield be midfield. You had the right balance, no really risks taken in terms of the players that were selected. But the way the game folded, it really wasn't through the midfield. The game went out through the wings, mostly. And you have a player like Fede Valverde, who is quite quick, even for a midfielder, he is considerably fast. And having that type of player and playing him as a wild card, which really was the, the ace of Zidane's sleep, um, other than Marco Asensio, who was later introduced, I think having that definitely added that shock, that X factor to, to Barcelona's style, because all of a sudden now you have to cope with Fede Valverde, who can play on the wing in a more advanced position and and it worked for 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 real madrid but i think looking at how the game was played and how it folded out i think barcelona definitely controlled the right areas of the pitch and were a, were able to make to get these attacks going from you know all you know, i remember the first half they weren't attacking too much through i believe the right side um, the second half that changed and it was a bit more balanced. They were able to attack on both flanks and through the middle. And that's, that's when Messi was able to get more involved because he was getting more of the ball. Um, which I also think was key to, to, to the goal, um, is, is being able to play through the middle and that's what worked. So I, th I mean, again, I know it's very easy for people, for people to just point fingers. And I, I even saw people blaming Pedri. I've seen people blame <laughs> Jordi Alba, I've seen people blame a lot of players, or even Antoine Griezmann, who, in my eyes, had a good game. I mean, you got to remember, he's up against the Real Madrid defense that, while on paper, doesn't look amazing. Eder Militao has been in very fine form recently. Nacho has become 
a really solid player for, for Real Madrid in the absence of Ramos and Varane. Felon Mendy has had a, an astonishing season for the most part. You know, and, and you look at that team, and and there is it's very limited what an attacker can do in those positions because Real Madrid contained Barcelona well, but the good thing is for Barcelona, is that, and that, that's one of the things I think definitely is a positive to take from this, is that, as you said, they kept going. They kept trying to attack. They kept trying new things out, and they didn't give up, and that's the spirit and the sense of unity that people have been calling for for so long, and we saw it because a lot of people – at least outside the stadium, a lot of fans, when it was 2-0, started saying, well, the game is over. That's it. They're going to get a third, and, and they're going to win. But on the pitch, that's not what was shown. And if yeah. you look at the numbers and the statistics, Barcelona dominated that game for the most part. Granted, in the first half, Real Madrid did get on the front foot twice through those goals. And at first, they definitely troubled Barcelona. And, I mean, with Real Madrid's style, they don't mind just sitting back, absorbing pressure, and then striking on the counter. But even that, they weren't able to do as much as they would have liked because Barcelona really were solid all across the board. They were just unlucky to not, in my opinion, and I, and I say this because I genuinely believe that Barcelona played very, very well to the extent of having been able to beat them on a better day. And perhaps the weather also played a part in that because, I mean, then again, both teams have – you know, during, during the same weather, it's not like one team is playing in, in rainy conditions, they're playing in sunny <laughs> conditions. But the style of play that Barcelona employ, uh, deploy is different. And and when it's raining, it's harder to get those short passes going as much as you want. Whereas with a long pass, a searching ball, you can ping it. And it depends more on the run than it depends on the actual pass and the weight of the ball and the weight of the pass. Because when you're playing quick, short-passing football, if the ball, when it's been raining a lot, if you've played football, you'll know this, is very heavy. And it's also very easy when there's a lot of wind to not have the accuracy that you want on it. Whereas if you're pinging a long ball, if you put enough power, it might get – it's more likely to get there um, because they'll, it'll, you know, you'll just angle the ball depending on the run of whoever you're trying to target. And that worked for, for Real Madrid with Vini, with players like Benzema. And Barcelona don't have that style of play, so they suffered a bit more. But I think everything considered – it should have at the very least been a draw considering yep. what was played on the pitch. Yeah. I mean, at least in the first half, uh, as you said, Barcelona really um, on the wings couldn't really do anything um, on the right wing. This was not that involved as we would have liked probably yeah. on the left wing. Uh, as we said, Jordi Alba was really well contained by Fede Valverde. And then uh, in the middle, um, you had Messi that was uh, facing two or three defenders every time. I mean, he received the ball, and he, it was either Casemiro that, that was always on him, and mm. then it was either Nacho or Militao. Militao played a really good, good game for Real Madrid. Every yeah. time uh, Barcelona tried to cross it, Militao was all over the ball. He just headed it away as far as, far as possible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in the second half, Barcelona really uh, tidied up, and they tried to attack. Um, as you said, I mean, statistic-wise, Barcelona had 69% of the ball against 31% of Real Madrid. Uh, well, as we all know, Barcelona liked to play short passes in a lot of them. So Barcelona had 707 against 316 of Real Madrid. And, well, I mean, shots on target, it was 18 against 14. But of the, all those shots, four were on target for Barcelona, just three for Real Madrid. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you can look at statistics all day long. But, um the game was really, I think, more for a draw for Barcelona 
then it was a, a win for Real Madrid because Real Madrid had two or three two or three opportunities. They they uh, took two really well, but then uh, Barcelona had also two or three uh, in which Courtois was either really good, uh, quick to his feet, or was in the right position. And then I mean the last crossbar, but Elias Moriba that was almost uh, an absolute stunner. But um, well, other than that, Barcelona really did have their chances, but they faced a really good de defense that. Probably a lot of people did not predict was going to do as well in with all the pressure of it Clásico. And well, yeah. just like to highlight, I think really the man of the match for Barcelona was uh, Oscar Mingueza. I mean, I was he about scored. to say, I was about yeah. to say. Um, surprisingly, it was a defense for Barcelona. Um, he scored the goal coming on basically undetected in, in inside the, the box. Um, I do Poacher's believe finish as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do believe it was uh Griezmann, right? That let let the ball pass between his legs. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. It he was, went he to the first did. yep. He went to the first uh, to the first post, he let it pass in between his legs, and then just Mingesa uh ran directly to the ball and hit it. I don't know with what part of his leg he hit it, but <laughs> he just it looked like an outside outside the foot shot. Yep. Luis Suarez esque. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was in, and then also uh, I think Marcelo had the opportunity of scoring the third one for Real Madrid, yeah, yeah. and Mingueza just came out of nowhere and put his feet uh, in between the ball and Marcelo, and just pointed out a little bit so that uh, Ter Stegen could pick it up. So yeah, yeah. I think I think Mingueza really uh, stepped up to the challenge. He did not uh, commit a foul. He did not receive a yellow card. Something that I was sort of worried because. I saw like a comparison of uh, Vinicius Mbappé style, like really, really fast. They try to uh, they try to attack the space really quickly so that they can have long balls. But mm. um, but yeah, I mean, Mingueza played a really, really good, really good game. No, he did. He did. I mean, the thing the thing as well to consider. I mean, as you said about Mingueza, I think even Ronald Araujo. I think Mingueza's performance didn't go under the radar as much because he got on the scoreline. But I think Ronald Araujo as well had a really, really good game. Yep. I mean, you're talking about two defenders that are as young as they are, starting in their first Clásico um, and really putting on a show. Clement Longley, I know a lot of people have been very quick to criticize him recently, but he also had a really, really solid game, in my opinion. Didn't do anything noteworthy, you know, uh, didn't do anything bad, didn't have any you know, fatal errors. No. And I think, I think for the most part, I think he is regaining his form. And the question for Ronald Koeman then will be, who will he play where in that defense? Because yeah. you have Clement Longley, you have Gerard Piquet coming back from injury. You've got Sergio Roberto who can play right back. And it's just a lot of players to, to contain. Yeah, I mean, also, Ronald Koeman will have to face next season um, not knowing if he will uh, have that same three-defender system, especially if uh, Eric Garcia really comes to Barcelona. And then you would have some sort of an overbooking for uh, for that defense of three because, as you said, you would have uh, Oscar Mingueza that has been taking gigantic leaps this season for Barcelona, um, Ronald Araujo that's been really solid, and if he can really continue this progress, he could become one of the biggest sensations in defense uh, for Barcelona. And then you have Clamon Lenglet that's not really that old. I mean, he's had he's had a lot of uh, games under his belt, but he's like 27, 28, so he would still have another yeah. four or five years in his, uh, in well, under, well, for his legs to still be at Barcelona. Then you have Gerard Piquet, then you, then you would have uh, Eddie Garcia. So yeah, I mean, who would you play where? Uh, still with a three-man defense. Um, 
maybe if uh, it would be go back to four three three. We don't know. I mean, but yeah, you know, at least we yeah. have those options. <laughs> it would yeah. be worse to not have those options. Just be like, oh well, who is who is he gonna play? Like the one who is not the worst to say. But mm -hmm. <laughs> well, at least we have those options. Yeah. No. And again, I mean. As well as Junior Firpo, of course, also is a name that we've seen in in that three-man back line as well uh, earlier this season. So there's there are a lot of players that can be played in that team, and I mean that's a very good sign, especially if you get another defender in like Anetti Garcia or any other defender that's solid. That's just that just adds more stability to your team, and that's what you'd want uh, going into the new season. And if you want to compete for all three trophies, which undoubtedly they will want to do so yeah. you know it's there's there's a lot to look forward to i think with this defense and i think players like oscar mingueza players like Rondarajo, they will get this rise to well not to f maybe fame is a bit too glamorous but <laughs> they'll have this rise to a prominent role in the squad yeah. if they keep performing the way they have been and performing in a game like el clasico is definitely a huge booster both morally for the team because i mean again yes they lost to one but they played really, really, really well. That's the way I see it. I know a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, both on game day after the game and, and even yesterday and even today, say that, oh, yeah, Barcelona didn't play well, they didn't perform, they don't perform in big games, and all this, all this, all this stuff, right? And I just, I, I, I really don't think that's true. I genuinely don't think that's true because if you look at how Barcelona have been playing in the recent couple of games and even in the comebacks against Granada, against Sevilla, and the Copa, and La Liga, this is a team that's definitely improved and a team that knows what's at stake during these big games and performs with that in mind. It's not a team that walks into these games, even against the smaller teams. It's not a team that walks in complacent and get and says, yeah, we're going to win this anyway. It's not going to matter. No. That's some, that change in mentality has been instilled by Donald Koeman very, very well. And he's managed to combine that with the introduction of players like Elish, uh, Pedri, really, you know, getting them to gel into the team and making them a big part of the team. Ricky Pooja just slowly getting a chance. And I know a lot of people will be screaming his name saying, <laughs> yeah, if he played, it would have been different. And maybe it would. We don't know that. Maybe it would. Um, you know, it's one of those what if uh, questions that probably won't go answered for a little while. No. But, I mean, it is a lot to, to you know, there's, there are a lot of players that, that have to be taken into this equation. And even a player like Sergio Roberto, who, and that's also a, a point that a lot of Barcelona fans are talking about, is Sergio Roberto has been out for very for a very long time. He's just come back. You took out Pedri and you put in Roberto instead of Ricky Puig, even though Ricky Puig and Pedri have similar playing styles. So if you wanted a like a like for like swap, rather than a Pedri for a player that always does well does well in El Clasico swap and playing him at right back. But I think as well, I think that's why Roberto was in, but instead of Ricky Puig. Is because Kuman wanted to switch to a four-man defense, and that's what he did. He had Alba on the left, I believe Mingueza and Longley centrally, and then Roberto on the right because Dest was taken off. Yeah. So if he put Pujan, he's not going to play Pujan right back. <laughs> no. Um, and who else would you play at right back without sacrificing what they can offer going forward um, no. of the players on the bench? I mean, you could play Firpo. But Firpo is predominantly a left back. So Roberto was the logical choice there. And I think a lot of people neglect that because all they see is, I want Ricky Puig to play. Why is he not playing? 
there is a gap here in this midfield where Pedri was taken off. Why is Enrique Puig not introduced? And it's logical that Roberto is the one to get in there. And I think he had a good game. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot, but he did what he could. Yeah, and I, I mean, think he, he, you know, he kept the Madrid players in check, and he did what he did, what he had to do going forward. Didn't lose the ball, didn't make any fatal errors. Actually, I think a pretty good comeback game for him. Yeah, I think um, he delivered. He did what he had to do. He didn't do anything more than it, he was asked to, and he didn't do anything less. He just did what he had to do. He had a mission. It was like basically um, just keep these players in check. Don't uh, let all the all the ball flow through this area of, of the pitch and just uh, block any attempt by Real Madrid. And he did do that. I mean, um, especially containing Vinicius. That was uh, basically in the second half, he didn't really touch the ball at that lot. Uh, and then um, Marcelo that well had that one chance and was really active for Real Madrid in the last few minutes. But he also didn't really do anything. Um, no shots, no really important cross. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Roberto did really well. I mean, we could uh, pinpoint a lot of yeah. players and just tell them that, oh, he, he, this one underperformed, this one this. But I mean, we also have to take into consideration, it's El Clásico. Um, in El Clásico, it really, it really doesn't matter if you have like a winning streak of 40 games. In El Clásico, yeah. anything can happen. I mean, a All lot that of people, goes out the window. Yeah, I mean, really I've does. seen like, three or four times in which uh, uh, all the analysts say, oh, it's a win for Barcelona because Real Madrid don't have any good form right at the moment. They don't have uh, their main players, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Real Madrid just go and win. Because in El Clásico, it doesn't matter. Uh, nobody really cares about statistics in El Clásico as long as you win. It doesn't matter really how you win as long as you win uh, because it's it's a rival. Especially, I, I do think Real Madrid have a little bit more of I don't know if anger towards Barcelona rather than Barcelona towards Real Madrid because let's remember that Barcelona really dominated them for a long time. And now yeah. it's like Real Madrid trying to establish some kind of domination now over Barcelona. And I do think they have like that hunger because every time they face Barcelona, they look like a, a completely different team to the ones they've had like two or three weeks before. So yeah. I do think that it's something that we can like really easily uh, criticized from the outside. But I do think like any of us playing in a Clásico, our legs would just shake at uh, the image of seeing Real Madrid on the other side of the pitch. But I mean, yeah, I do think Barcelona really had to take away uh, this resilience. Uh, even though they were two two goals down, they tried to attack. And it's something that Royal Coman has done really well, especially yeah. in these young players that um, I do think it's easily, uh, it's really easy for young players to just uh, tear, tear apart if they do something wrong. But a lot of these young players do bounce back. And it's, I do think that it's really good that Roland Koeman, uh back backs them up. And especially if he continues on to next season, he will continue yeah. to back uh, these really young players, like, uh, uh, as you said, Araujo, Mingueza, Pedri, Ilaish, uh, even Ricky, I do believe. Uh, Dest, that uh, had like a low point during the season after he came back from an injury. Um, but yeah, if he does continue, he will continue to, to back these players up. And I do think it would be really uh, prolific in the future for Barcelona to have these young players, especially if they do come from La Masia. Uh, I do see a difference with players from La Masia. I do think they love the the club a lot at a different level from uh, players that are signed in and have the dream of playing in Barcelona. But I do think La Masia players love the club even more. And I do think they have like this fire to them like Mingueza that never yeah. stops running, never stops trying to do something for, for the team. So I do think it, it is really good to see, to have this, um, to have these kind of players. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I fully agree. And I mean, it is, uh, it is, it is, you know, it's, it's a good sign that there is this, this spirit within the team that they want to, you know, give it their all, even though it is a, even though there is a two nil deficit on the scoreboard and they showed that. And I think that is one of the things that only Kuman has done really well. Um, you know, now with that game behind us, though, of course, there is the Copa del Rey final of uh, 2021. Um, do keep in mind that the last edition of Copa del Rey was stopped due to due to COVID, and the final for that was played a couple of days ago, which was the Basque Derby Athletic Club against Real Sociedad. And Real Sociedad actually came out with the win uh, with Imanol Alguacil, their manager, who's been with them for years and years and years. Uh, yep. <laughs> celebrating it like a fan, which was truly a beautiful sight. Um, but that also that also does mean that Athletic Club right now are, you know, they are suffering from. Yep, a reason they will have that defeat in their mind. Yep. Uh, in their heads going into this game, that they just lost a final, and they're going into another one. And the thing with with Athletic Club is that every time they face Barcelona this season, they've looked very dangerous. Even last season, and they are a team that managed to to really. Uh, trouble Barcelona, uh, and even off, uh, even on the road. So that game, I think, I, I I do believe that we'll see a similar starting lineup to the one we saw at El Clasico. I don't think we'll see too many drastic changes. Uh, although I do, I could see PK start. Although I'm not too sure for who. Mm. I would imagine it might be for Araujo. Yeah, because I mean, they they have like a similar. Um how to say like profile um yeah. big physical pretty, yeah. and you and you can't take off really Mingueza because Mingueza is really speedy in comparison to Araujo Araujo is really also he's fast but he's, I do yeah, think yeah. Mingueza is faster and then Longley yeah. yeah and Longley on the left uh since he is a left uh player left for the player I, yeah yeah I do think he has like a more dominant side to him in that aspect well and specifically in that position yeah, and also I think Longley has very is very much establishing himself once again as a key player in that Barcelona defense, which is great news for Ronald Koeman because <laughs> Longley Longley is a good anticipator of the play, and he is an intelligent player. He knows how to use his speed and physicality to kind of shield off the ball or read into that space and and block it before the ball gets in there. And I think that's something we've seen from him recently, which I'm very happy has happened because he is at least for me he's one of my favorite Barcelona players in recent times. Um, so it's very nice to see him have that success again. And also that means that only Koeman has one less thing to worry about because that's one defender that you know will be solid for you. Yeah, because I do remember that uh, people bashed him, but also uh, he he was like really unlucky with his uh, hand placement. Yeah, he got so unlucky for a yeah. while. Yeah, because I mean, every single deflection that uh, went his way, it just hit his hand. Yeah. And <laughs> it was like, oh my God, not again. And then um, the penalty against... Uh, who was it? Icardi in the second leg of Champions League? I, I think, think it was either Icardi or Kian. I'm not sure. Uh, well, no, the second leg. No, the second leg. I'm actually not sure. But I, I remember was, that penalty. Yeah, I that I mean, penalty. yeah. And we always said, like, um, well, I don't know. It was a dubious penalty, but, I mean, he wasn't yeah. lucky. He was. Um, just look at some of the comments here. Fadis is in our uh, live chat once again. Thank you for tuning in. We're happy you're here. And we hope you're enjoying uh, this episode <laughs> so far. If you are... Feel free to drop us a like or a follow on whatever platform you're watching on. If you are on Apple Podcasts, because this, of course, does go out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all whatever wherever you, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, this will be out there. <laughs> um, do drop us a rating, if possible, or follow us on there. Um, now, 
Fares is talking about the mentality that we were talking about earlier. It says that it shows that they're, as in they being Barcelona, are always the ones fighting till the end, until uh, no matter what, which is true. Um, Resilience. You think? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and perseverance. And he says, what did you think of Langley in, the, in El Clasico? I think we've already went over that. I personally think he did quite well. He didn't have a, an outstanding performance, not in the sense that he didn't play very well, but in the sense that he didn't do anything that stood out. Yep. Yes. So he delivered. For, he, he, delivered. he delivered. He definitely did. He looked very, very solid, I think, um, and did did what he had to do, did everything right. He drove forward a lot, which he likes to do. He's a ball-playing center back, sort of like uh, Gerard Piquet, which is really nice to see that he has that confidence to do that again. And it definitely helped because it opens up some spaces and opens up some avenues for passes, and Barcelona were able to exploit that. Um with reference to the penalty that we're talking about in the second leg, um, Semi goes crazy, says it was Icardi, which I think might be true, actually, yeah. Amazing um, image, Semi goes crazy. I think it's uh, Frankie de Jong on top of a lion. <laughs> His, like, avatar. That. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I love um, that. Amazing picture, Sammy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, we have a question here. Semi again says, Do you guys think we can still win the league? Um, I honestly think that yes, I think Barcelona can definitely still win the league because, again, you have to remember the standings right now. Um, we will actually we'll have some graphics for next episode for league standings and stuff. I think that could be quite interesting, but right now, as things stand, Barcelona are uh, two points ahead, uh, well, two points away from uh, first place and one away from second. So yep. There is a lot um, to fight for still. And I think it definitely does seem like there is some inconsistency in Real Madrid and in Atleti, which eventually will be exposed to any team that will be able to trouble them enough to not give them the three points. And then hopefully at that time, Barcelona will be able to, you know, grasp that opportunity by the neck and, and kind of get that grip on the La Liga table again and go top. And I, I mean, I, I definitely do believe that there is definitely still a chance for Barcelona to win La Liga. Um, and, you know, if, if Ronald Koeman's in company, if they can win the Copa del Rey final this Saturday, that is a huge boost going into the remainder of La Liga. Um, well, yeah, I mean, just, just want to add, I do think uh, Barcelona can win because uh, let's remember that, uh, well, basically Real Madrid, unless something really strange happens uh, on Wednesday, I do think they play against Liverpool in Anfield. Yeah, uh, they are to the semifinals, and they will have to decide which is more important to them because of their squad depth at the moment. They will have to decide if either they will go all out on La Liga or all out in the Champions. And as we know, Real Madrid have a huge ego for uh, Champions League, so I do think they will go on to to prioritize uh, the Champions League. Atletico has really just been the downfall. They they only have themselves to blame, really. Uh, Cholo Simeone doesn't really do anything to do something different. And now uh, Luis Suarez is injured, basically the one that has saved them so many times with a late goal for Atletico de Madrid. Um, so I do think Barcelona have a, a good chance. And now, especially since it's only the final for Barcelona, and then after the final, they can really just focus on La Liga. Yeah. I do think they do have a, a good chance, and especially since it's just a two-point difference with a leader and one with Real Madrid. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think they have the chance, and especially as we've been talking about, they have resilience, so they, they can't come back. 
Yeah, I, I I do agree. I think I think the chance definitely still is there, and I'm I'm very optimistic because I mean, given how how Barcelona played, and even in El, in El Clasico, and against Paris uh, in the second leg, it's looking very promising. And this is a team that definitely is going places. So, I would be surprised if Barcelona didn't win the league, given the inconsistency of the two other teams in that top three. Um, Simon says thanks, lads, for the uh, <laughs> for the praise on that profile picture. I love it. It's awesome. Um, Let's see. Sammy again says, one more question. Do you guys believe a 3-4-3 with Pedri drop for Grizzly is a good lineup against Bilbao? Um, let's see. Also, PK for Araujo. I mean, oh, sort of. But So you would pay, You would have to pay uh, Grizzly like your, your forward nine and Dembele like on the left wing and Messi more on the right wing that we know he'll go back to the center because... He's just like a free roamer, or 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 I think the I think what he's thinking of is having um, Dembele on the right, Messi as a nine, and Griezmann as a, on the left, and like swap those two with those two swapping, because okay. we've seen Messi liking to go out on the left wing quite a lot recently. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that, but he's been, he's been roaming around that left wing quite a while uh, for for quite a while in the past few games. Um, so yeah. I mean. It could it could also be like a three four one two with Messi behind uh, Antoine and Dembélé. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I I think that would be like a little bit more logical. But yeah, I, well, I do see it happening. But um, well, let's be honest. Coman really loves Pedri, <laughs> and he he plays a lot with, uh, with reason. With reason. Yeah, yeah, with reason. It's not it's not like he's not that good, and he just plays because Coman uh, has a really good relationship with him. But, uh, I mean, it could happen. It is uh, something different that he could try, especially since um, uh, Griezmann really uh, performed really well with that uh, with those minutes that he had in El Clasico. So, uh, we can see. We'll see because, I mean, also he has a good relationship with Messi. And something that I sometimes don't like of Pedri is that when he has a, the opportunity to shoot, he always tries to pass the ball to Messi. Even yeah. when he has, like, a clear shot, he, he passes it to Messi. I mean, I understand uh, it's the pressure of playing with Messi. It's something that ha has happened with a lot of players, but I, I could it could happen. I mean, it is a final. It's just ninety minutes to see who's the best team, and if he, uh, if Grisi is in good form recently and he's scoring goals or at least assisting, he could be. Uh, especially uh, in La Copa del Rey, Griezmann has been a really important figure with Barcelona, especially yeah, in that uh, Granada game uh, for the comeback. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I mean, I would I would not mind that lineup, especially it would give Pedri a bit of a rest because he's also played in the Classic. He's played in a lot of games recently. So personally, I would not mind that. Um, so let's see here. Fedes with a couple of questions here. He says, uh, what are your thoughts on the alleged Alba and Pique conversation that was leaked in which Pique told Alba to calm down and will win the Copa? And Jordi apparently said, I don't know. I personally have not seen that clip. Um, no, me neither. Sorry. I don't know. I'm sorry about that, but we we haven't seen the clip um, that you're referring to. But I mean, a lot is said in the heat of the moment, and I think I know a lot of people will be bashing Jordi Alba's mentality because it has people have uh, spoken about his mentality in a negative light. Um, and, and you know, I, I mean, I think it's improved from what we used to see. At least, I think he's definitely looking like uh, the player that really used to be at the top level, and he's definitely shown that recently. Barring that one mistake that you could argue he made for that Lucas Vasquez run uh, that gave Real Madrid the lead, I think he's been very, I think he's been excellent recently, even for the national team. Yeah. And I think maybe that I think that 
mentality issue that people say he had at the time um, at the Anfield game, I think, was just from added pressure. And you could then later see that, as I, as you know, as we've as we've come to see, is that it was you know, there's just a lot of pressure on Barcelona with those games, and it got to them in a point where they just started having these like flashbacks, quote unquote flashbacks, to games where they had uh, a lead and then just you know saw a comeback happen against them and i don't think that was exclusive to jordy um you know i i mean i i just think that you reach a, a time you know you reach a time in your career where that kind of stuff if it happens more than once that just influences <laughs> the entire team yeah that's just you know is the same thing would have happened if it was the other way around if they were if they were losing 3-0 and 1-4-0 and then had another game where they were losing 3-0 they would have the mentality to say well it happened to us before and we won the game so we might actually be able to do it again this time. And that's just how mentalities work for teams is when stuff happens to you in a certain pattern and it, it looks like it might happen again, you'll just default. You'll fall back to what happened last time or the time before that, especially if it's if it's something that's occurred more than once. So I don't think – I genuinely don't think that Alba's mentality is weak by any means. I mean, if it was, he wouldn't be playing as a starting left back for FC Barcelona. That's my honest take. Yeah. I think he's an excellent player. Um, he's, he definitely has bags of experience, and he showed it. I mean, you could people people say with that run that Lucas Vasquez made, people are saying that oh he you know where is he? He's not in that position. But you have to remember that that depends on what's what they've agreed on, because if you're looking at it from traditionally the left back should be there. That's one thing. But then you look at Busquets tracking a certain player and. Another Real Madrid player going forward, I think it was um, Fede Valverde, I think, that Alba was tracking. Because Valverde usually goes down that left-hand side anyways. So it would make sense for Alba to track him when he sees him running. And then telling whoever was playing on the left-hand side in a more attacking position to drop back and track Vasquez. Because if he doesn't track Vasquez, depending on who's in midfield, Valverde will be a a free man. So... There is a lot to be said, but I also think a lot of factors have to be considered when you talk tactics because a lot of it is happening as the game is going on. And you can't just revert to these rigid traditional um, marking zones because it really depends on who's running and who your man is when you're tracking back and when you're defending. So I know people bashed him for that, but I don't I think he did what he had to do what, what he had to do there. And let's pretend that let's pretend that Alba managed to track Vasquez down. Valverde, let's say he was, you know, let's say he was he wasn't marked because Busquets was marking the zone in the half space between Valverde and Vasquez. If Valverde wasn't marked, the pass would have made made inside to Vasquez instead of Benzema for the cutback, and they might have still had a goal. So a lot of it is what ifs, and I know a lot of people love to scapegoat, but the fact of the matter is that Barcelona right now are in a very good position both in the standings mentally and as a team are doing extremely well in so many areas. And it's just not being recognized because a lot of people like to say, oh, what's that? We lost to Paris Saint-Germain. We lost to Real Madrid. Okay, we're not doing well. What's new? Which just isn't true. That's how I see it. Yep. Um, just really quickly to um, to go back to Jordi Alba's mentality. I think uh, you just have to go back to the Granada game. He uh, scored, I think, two goals, one with a header and another one with a beautiful volley. So I do think the mentality is there on the Ronald comment, especially if Ronald comment told him, like, that happened in the past. That's not going to happen now. Let's just focus on doing better every day. 
Um, and yeah, maybe it could be a little bit like big sta uh, stage scenario, but also um, these players have uh, like all the experience in the world. They've played uh, Euros, they've played uh, World Cups, they've played Champions mm -hmm. League, they've played all, everything that's uh, possible for them to play. So I do think the mentality is there to just, we're a little um, scared at some point, maybe as uh, um, Omar said, but I don't think, I don't see it happening now, especially since sure. all that happened uh, on the Ernesto Valverde. And now it's a different manager and it's a whole different new thing. Different so, style. Yeah. Yep. So I don't think um, it'll happen again. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, you know, that's the thing as well that I know a lot of people are talking about, but I figured that, you know, I've been quiet around this for a while. Um, just because I didn't really want to get into it, but I'm glad I did. And I'm glad we just <laughs> spoke about it here because I feel like that scenario was the perfect one to emphasize. Um, and I'm glad you brought back the, the Granada uh, throwback because that game really showed that the mentality has changed. Yep. Um, so let's see. I think uh, we have one more here from Sammy Goes Crazy. Um, and he says, I just don't understand how some Barca fans are thinking the league is over. One draw in eight games is absolutely nothing. They have tough games. And it's also worth noting that before this, Barcelona were on a quite long undefeated streak in La Liga as well. I think it was like 15, 16 I matches. Think was, it. I think it was 17 or 18, actually. Yep. Um, which is a lot. Which is a lot. Yep. And to be defeated in a game with those under those rainy conditions, given how Barcelona played, I would say that is quite unlucky. Um, yep. You know, so... I mean, again, a lot of tons of reasons for Barcelona fans to be positive around the world um, and, and be positive going into the Copa del Rey final this Saturday. Um, of course, the game, just trying to figure out exactly what, what time it will be played. I think it is 9 p.m. No, it's 9.30. Yeah. Uh, 9.30 p.m. is when it will be played. Um, and it is in neutral venue, I'm quite sure. It is at the Estado de la Cartuja, actually. So, you know... Um, a lot to look forward to, you know. There is the league, there is the Copa, and the next season you've got three trophies once again to compete for. And if Barcelona managed to get the Copa del Rey in the bag Supercopa. this Saturday, oh yeah, of course, and the Supercopa. So, you know, if Barcelona do manage to get the Copa del Rey this week, this weekend, that's a huge boost, and I think that definitely will just give them that extra edge that they need to be able to get to uh, the La Liga trophy as well. Um, let's see. Yeah, we saw, we, see that we saw that. And then we have, um, yeah, Fares agreed with what we said uh, in terms of Pedri tracking back, uh, yeah. or Alba tracking back. Um, it said that it were smart tactics uh, deployed by Zinedine uh, Zidane, which, to be fair, it was. Yeah. Um, but I think Rod Koeman very much uh, gave him a fight. And I think Barcelona were unlucky to only get away with one goal deficit. I feel like Barcelona should have had at least a draw, but you know, it, is what, it, is. it <laughs> is what it is. Um, and he says, Fata says, I do get sucked into this negative narrative and way of thinking that I see on the timeline all the time. So yeah, that's my bad. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people do. It does happen. I mean, it's really easy. You just see the same message over and over and you're like, Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, they're true. That, yeah, that's a true. Lot, yeah. That's the thing with social media as well is that a lot of people like to just have this negative narrative and have these agendas and, and it's because that's, what's popular. You know, um, I also saw people talking about, I believe, I don't remember if it was Harry Maguire um, and praising him and people in the replies were talking about how 
because you praise him and that's not the popular opinion, you're not going to get as many likes and retweets and interactions, which is what a lot of people on social media focus on, is that they want these interactions, they want these likes, they want this popularity and this validation that realistically doesn't really mean a lot. But because it's projected as something that means a lot, that's what people want. And so if they know that putting up a tweet or a post uh, bashing a certain player because that's the popular thing to do, they'll do that. And as a result, people will feed into this negative narrative because it's happening all the time and it's happening from people they like or people they read from or people whose tweets they usually tend to enjoy reading. And you just get to this point where there's a huge bubble of just negativity floating around social media and it just gets bigger and bigger by the day. And I think it's very important to be able to step out of that and sort of look at the bigger picture and say, okay, this player, according to many people, had a bad game. And this is not just about a classical. This is about any like any game you watch. But does that mean like is that true, or is it just because that's the popular thing to say? Which usually it's the latter. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Sammy Goes Chris says the final on Saturday will have uh, thirty thousand fans. I'm not too sure, but we'll obviously keep you posted if that is the case. You can watch. Um, you know, you can keep in touch with us, and you can keep uh, up to date with all Barcelona news and all Barcelona related analysis and opinions on blogonagram.com. If you would like some uh, merchandise to support us and support the brand, you can go to blogonagram.com slash shop um, or just go to blogonagram.com and click on shop. You can use code TDS live for 15% off your next purchase. Um, it of course helps us keep the lights on and you'll look cool while doing so. So yeah, I mean, I think this was a very fun episode, um, and I think we had a lot of interesting opinions and a lot of interesting things were said. Um, and, of course, do remember that if you did enjoy this, you can always drop us a like or a follow or a subscription, depending on the platform that you're watching this on. And if you missed out on parts of this, don't worry, because it will be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you like to listen to podcasts very shortly. Um, so with that note, I think we're... Good to end this episode. Uh, do you have any last words, Joav? Um, well, just for those of you that like to look back at um, results, Athletic Club don't actually have a really good uh, streak at the moment. Um, they lost two one against Atletico. They drew uh, two nil with they, I mean nil nil with Celta de Vigo. They drew with Eibar one one. They lost against Real Sociedad, and then they drew one one with Real Sociedad in La, in La Liga. So uh, let's hope that that continues against Barcelona this Saturday. Barcelona can really uh, make use of whatever isn't going that well for Athletic Club at the moment. Yeah, no, that's that's a very interesting point. I think a lot of people do like to look back at results and like to look at current form because as much as that goes out the window at a Clásico, that's not necessarily the case for cup games and cup finals. No. It'll be very interesting. Um, Sammy says, all right, Les, thanks. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Fadah says, uh, Ramadan Mubarak, if you celebrate it. Of course, for uh, Muslims around the world, uh, Ramadan will be either today or tomorrow, depending on who you follow. And in, in, in which case, uh, happy Ramadan to everyone celebrating it. And to everyone else, I hope you're having a fantastic month, despite the circumstances. And I hope you're staying sane, safe, and well. Um, do I have anything, anything else to say? No, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the interactions. Uh, once again, yeah. shout out to Sammy Goes Crazy and his awesome avatar. And Paris, <laughs> thank you for all the interactions. So yeah, I mean, let's let's stay positive. A lot of good uh, yeah. good notes for Barcelona right now. They lost, but uh, they didn't lose. Let's say badly. They just yeah. lost uh, because of two two different situations. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, let's stay positive and uh, let's hope that Saturday we can wrap up wrap up a win and. 
in one week we can we can be analyzing the win for Barcelona. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, again, this does happen every Monday at 4 p.m. Central European time. So do tune in next Monday. We'll see you then. And until then, have a great rest of your day. And Godspeed. Roll that outro by Phil Shane. And we'll see you next time. My name is Phil Shane. And you've been listening to The Driven Shot, hosted by Omar Hawash and the Black Gronogram News Outlet. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope you have a wonderful day. And hopefully, we'll see you again soon.